Now, that doesn't mean that you can say, Mom, you're doing something bad. You need to go to timeout. No, 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 no. It's not that kind of timeout. Like I said, it's a different kind of timeout. This timeout is whenever you say, Mom, Dad, I think we need to go to timeout so we can gather our thoughts. Does that sound all right? Yeah. All right. Let's say a very special prayer. Just, just repeat after me, okay? Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to remember. The opportunity to find you. And the love to guide us. It's in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Where are we going now? I see some hands in the back. All right. You guys have an awesome time. Oh, I got a music stand up. Great. They're, they're going to a good timeout. We're going to talk about timeout. <laughs> so in our time today, I want to briefly look back and remember 2011. But in that brief remembering, I want to talk about what we can learn from some of the immediate reactions of others and ourselves and how we can apply what we learn to every aspect of our lives today. We will remember multiple reactions, all of which have meaning for our passage today and the overall message today for our sermon series on Before the Calendar Goes Crazy. What September 11th reminds us is that sometimes despite our best efforts, that calendar does go crazy. So we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about coming together in quiet, peace, and discernment, and finding a special moment. Like I said, remember that word, moment. Well, I want to read the passage, which I very conveniently left down here at my seat with my notes. I want to make sure I get it right. We're going to be coming out of Proverbs today. Proverbs is a huge collection of a lot of different sayings. It's hard to read from beginning to end, but where we find our, uh, our passage today is in the 14th chapter, verses 29 and 30. And I want you to pay attention because my version is a little bit different than this, but we're going to talk about that. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but one who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil mind, a calm disposition, gives life to the flesh, but passion makes the bones rot. Will you go to God with me in prayer? Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be what you need in us to change the world. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So, like I said in our passage, the, my, my version has the word passion, and the NIV and some other translations, they use a different word. They'll use envy. So let's talk a little bit about passion and what it means to have passion instead of a calm disposition or a tranquil heart. Passion can be sort of a catch-all word in the Hebrew. Throughout the Old Testament, it's used a lot of times. And, and yes, it, it, can be, it, it can mean jealousy. Um, and like I pointed out, some of them have envy, jealousy, but it can also mean loosely 
uh, to act or overreact before thinking through something. Acting strictly on how you feel when the emotion overwhelms your senses. So when I think back, my initial reaction on September 11th was that I, that honestly, I thought that it was a sick joke because right as I had woken up, I heard it over the radio on KLAQ. And I think that we all know that KLAQ is known for their horrible pranks. Um, and so I just, I didn't believe it at first. Well, when I found out that it wasn't, I was glued to my television throughout the day, and I saw the second plane hit. I wasn't in quiet reflection, but calling friends in New York who attended NYU, who I later found out were running out of their dorms and just running down to the site to help out in any way that they could with blankets and, and, and handkerchiefs and whatever they could. I was angry at what had happened, but not praying. I was taking action. I watched the TV and I saw the aftermath in other parts of the country, as I think we all did. The action that was being taken elsewhere, which, which involved rocks thrown through the windows of mosques and, and other buildings associated with the Middle East. I, uh, I saw bloodied faces of Middle Easterners in America. Some were Americans, some weren't. They were the ones who took the brunt of, of truly scared and angry people. Some people immediately fell to their knees. And they, and they prayed when they heard about this event. They prayed silently and aloud. People prayed all over the world in many different tongues to multiple gods. And the prayers took on various forms. Deliverance. It took on healing. Some prayed for courage through the fear of knowing that, yes, in this act, they had become a target for something they had no part in. And some prayed, yes, sincere prayers of joy for what had taken a place. Agree or disagree? The, these are a few of the forms of the prayer that took place on that day and in the wake of that day. These are the real reactions of people discerning. All sorts of explanations came about throughout the day and especially in the aftermath as to why this had taken place. From the purely scientific, which consisted of things like steel bending and giving out when it wasn't supposed to, to the mystically divine, which consisted of things like God is punishing us as a country or even as the question, why is God punishing us as a country? Who was to blame? What conspiracy was behind this? We demanded answers. Well, I, I can't speak to a lot of that, even 10 years later. But I can offer two more specific examples of, of reaction. And those deal with what we're really getting at today in our series, in our journey on when the calendar goes crazy. And that is this. Turning inward versus turning outward. Passion versus the calm disposition. Which do we reach to first? When these events took place on September 11th, I, I, I was working the night audit at the Comfort Inn Suites in Las Cruces. Do, do we have any night shift workers out there? Do we have any night shift workers? If you ever run into one, just give them a hug. Just <laughs> I applaud them and I applaud you. Um, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I tried diligently, diligently because I really needed the money. I was poor. But I just couldn't. It gave me insomnia. It didn't balance well with the doctor bills. <laughs> anyway, in order to keep up with the day-to-day -day operations when I came in on my shift, we kept a logbook of the day's events so we would know if we were walking into any messes, weird reservations. For example, if an, if an entire soccer team was coming in on my shift at the last minute, you can bet that it was something I needed to know about. So we had a logbook that included everything. Well, on this day, as I was flipping through the logbook, I, I came upon a couple of entries that caught my attention. 
And then they broke my heart and then caused me to turn inward and pray for the first time all day. I first saw entries of encouragement for our boss. So-and-so, we love you and respect you. So-and-so, I'm so sorry for what happened. The list goes on. So I had to keep reading down the list and backtracking until I found what had started all of the conversation. You see, earlier in the day, the boss, who was from India and a Hindu, and in her devout practice of pacifism, was appalled like the rest of us by the events of 9-11. Well, she, she was taking the calls for the reservations and eventually had to stop because more and more people were rejecting the hotel and her voice because they didn't want to support they didn't want to support the person responsible for the attack on their country. The comments, I don't want to repeat them, of course, but they were filled with expletives, fear, and hate. These reactions caused the boss and her family to leave the hotel for the day because they legitimately feared for their safety and the vitality of their business. Kids were pulled out of school to retreat to the home, and I prayed. Now, in this, we, we, we observe today two reactions. First, the fear and hate coming to the surface and lashing out of, like I said, truly scared people. There's not much discernment here, though, is there? And two, then there's the reaction of my boss, a reaction which is actually very close to what I want to get at today about coming together for quiet discernment. But this coming together was a reaction not of choice for closeness, but once again out of fear. Their fear linked them. So it's close to my intention and yet far away also. Both sides reacted in a way which was grasping for control and understanding of where they found themselves in their lives at that moment. Their fear, like I said, linked them, these two groups of people, but the reactions were very different. Finding quiet and retreat out of fear is not turning inward and coming together in a healthy way for discernment. Finding that retreat out of fear is not the healthy way. And obviously, n neither is lashing out verbally, physically, in the ways that we remember. So, when we become overwhelmed, we still have choices on how we can react. We certainly have choices before we become overwhelmed in times not even linked to unforeseen tragedy. We certainly still have choices after unforeseen tragedy strikes us and others. The point is that when we become overwhelmed by emotion, our crazy schedule, or even before the chaos, we need to enter into a time of what I want to call a kairos moment, or kairos, maybe we've heard it in a couple of different ways, versus a chronos moment. So we actually have two moments. We have a kairos moment and a chronos moment. Now, let me explain what I mean by that because it may sound a little weird. These, these two words are used throughout the New Testament to talk about time. And yet these terms really do relate to our passage today from Proverbs. Let's start with chronos. Chronos is the base word where we get things today like chronology. In other words, which show a very structured progression of time. Just look at your watch or digital clock. If you live by the clock in an anxiety of being in or out of time, you live in the chronos. I live in the Kronos. <laughs> what we've been looking at in several ways up to this point is Kronos. I talked about a sequence of events unfolding and about my reactions to the events as they unfolded. 
We've been remembering events as they unfolded and in a sequence. But the other word that we have, the one I mentioned first, is kairos. And that relates to, basically in short, God's time. This is a time that we enter into a realm where Kronos beautifully melts away. And we think of time only in the moment at hand. And once again, I use moment loosely here because a moment here can last much more than a moment in Kronos time. In other words, it, it's timeless. That was a much easier way. I just went through a whole description. Kairos moment is timeless. That's good. I like that. Kronos versus Kairos. God's time, timeless. Okay. We good? All right. <laughs> now, to come to this place, this Kairos moment, this moment that we experienced with the lighting of candles, with song behind us, it takes patience. It takes a retreat into the quiet personally, but also communally as a family. That's your immediate family, your church family. A wedding I officiated last night compels me to include a military family, etc. And it takes practice if you live in the Kronos. It takes diligence because it can be difficult to transition, even for a short amount of time, let's say an evening, a Saturday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon when we let go of football. Cowboys kick off at 6.20 Mountain Standard Time. I live in the Kronos. <laughs> It's not just the times of grave tragedy when we need to turn inward and seek our Kairos moment. Seek out, once again, God's time. I mean, tragedy like this does have a way of making, uh, of waking us up from slumber, as, as my new friend Mike and I were talking about. But we're called to be in quiet reflection and discernment in and of our faith regularly. We need to get into that regular practice. We need regular quiet time in the home once again, with ourselves and or with our families. This is our home. We have our Kairos moment with our family. We need to practice this on a regular basis, this Kairos moment, and I know it's hard too, believe me, and I, I don't even have to worry about taking and picking up from sports, band, choir, scouts, clubs, friends, groups. Have I missed any? Shout them out. <laughs> but, but, you, but you get T-ball. But you get the point. Anything else that, all those other things that pull us apart uh, and demand our time, pull us apart from one another. But work to set aside that regular time to be together in quiet reflection, in a time of actively and intently listening to one another and listening for God in what we tell one another. It's reflecting on what's come before and preparing and discerning for what's coming next, even when we don't particularly know the details of what's coming next. It's being in spiritual preparation. Maybe your time is dinner time around the dinner table. Dinner can be a perfect time to come together to enter into that Kairos moment if you let it. Now, if you say, let's hurry up and enter our Kairos moment for dinner and wrap it up quick because Dancing with the Stars comes on pretty soon and... Well, you need to think again because that's definitely living in a Kronos moment. I don't know when Dancing with the Stars comes on. I would have thrown in the time, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but you see what I mean about Kronos time? Kronos time is tricky. It's tricky to get around. 
If you were to sit as a family at the table to join together in prayer, even a simple devotion and or a story from Scripture, there's a lot of them in there that are pretty short, but that can help us enter into that Kairos moment. And during this time, you turn the TV reminder off in your head, aha, you have a Kairos moment. As you can see, I'm preaching to myself. I'm a big TV fan, so th this part of the sermon, it's, it's for me too. I've got to turn that TV reminder off in my head. But that is an instance of when we can find a Kairos moment. What is your Kairos moment? Think about that. We're going to have a time for reflection in a minute. And we're going to talk about and think about a Kairos moment. Don't let schedules in your life dictate your time away from your fellowshipping with God and fellowshipping with your family, be it immediate family, church family. Don't let unforeseen tragedy take you away from first turning inward to discern how you will then turn outward. How you will be prepared with God in your life and His guide on how you can faithfully act and react in all situations. As I was writing this, and as I mentioned before, you know, it, it took me a while before I finally found my Kairos moment to pray that day. But as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought, I, I wonder what it would have happened that day in the wake of the tragedy if more people had truly tried this angle first, had truly tried to find their Kairos moment. Or if we'd already been doing this before the attack took place. Well, today, we can begin. Because we live in an age, I believe, where we need to be more spiritually prepared than ever. Amen? More spiritually close than ever. Amen? So, with that, I want everyone to take out your cell phone. Hold it in the air. I got mine. And as a side note, Pastor Bill, he, he texted me. I want to read that out loud. He said... Praying for you guys. May God speak through you. And he, he was probably saying, you know, may God speak through you, Matt. But may God speak through all of us. So, so I want you to hold your cell phone in the air. And, and I know that th this is such a wonderful congregation and a body of Christ because we're accustomed to using our cell phones. But I, I, I want to take it a little bit further and do something that, that you may not hear a lot in church, if ever. I want you to turn your ringers on. Put them on the highest setting if you need to. And we, we texted someone at the beginning of the service, but, you know, oh, there we go, I got you. Now, let's discern together. There is someone out there, outside of these walls, which are now holding the body of Christ, who needs the peace of Christ in their life. They need the reminder to make sure to take time to turn inward and find that inner peace and reflection. So, before we start texting, I want to reach out into our community, as a community, to send peace out from this place and see what happens. I want to do something out of the box. Try and, try and send a text like, let me read this, May you have peace in your life, even if for a moment I'm praying for you today. But all you can say is someone you know, they need to know that they're being prayed for. So if your text just consists of 
hey, I hope you have peace today. I'm praying for you. That's perfect. That's perfect. And, and even if you get a response back like, what's the big idea? <laughs> what do you think I need? Well, that's our moment to either silently or aloud as every ring that we hear comes back say, Amen. Because we know that our message is going out. And the people of God, we need to know about Amen. Amen is an ancient word. It's been here for roughly seven or 8,000 years and they never wanted to translate it just amen, but really what it means is simply let it be so. We use it all the time in our, in our worship services and so no matter the response that we get back, we say amen just to say, let it be so. Even if they say, I don't need your peace, we can say, but let it be so. Let the peace be so. So go ahead and text that message. Leave your ringer on. And uh, let's take just a couple of moments to see what happens. I believe the, the band is going to come up and play, or the band isn't going to come up, but we're going to have some reflective music in the background. So let's, let's take a moment. Let's practice before we leave this place. Let's practice our Kairos moment. Let's try and enter into that once again. Let's try and discern on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where we're going to find that Kairos moment with our family, extended family, church family. Amen.
surrender. Beautiful words couldn't have been more truer today. Amen. Did anybody uh, raise your hand if you heard a response back? And the church said? Amen. Amen. Is anybody uh, living on Kronos time? Who wants to move to practice, to, to move into that Kairos time more often, that, that important, important time in our lives where we come back together as a family, where we come back together with God? So share your ideas with each other this week. Share your ideas of what a Kairos moment looks like. Next week, share with Pastor Bill what your Kairos moment was. Amen and amen. <laughs> Let it be so. Let it be so. So that's, that's where we want to move today, is move to that Kairos moment, not just this week as we remember September 11th, but in the future as we prepare spiritually and diligently in our faith for the future. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thank you so much for having me here this morning. I can say that this is the first time that I got to rock a beef sandwich before, before worship. Right? The Ridge is doing it right. Amen.